0: You're listening to She Starts Up, season two, episode number 20. Today, I'm introducing a new series, Motherhood Comes in All Forms. In this six-part series, I'll be speaking with mothers of all different kinds who aren't afraid to have truthful conversations about the hardships of motherhood. From adoptive moms to single moms, several women will be opening up about their experiences and how they've struggled and persevered to become the amazing strong mothers they are today. So let's dive in. You're listening to She Starts Up, a podcast for ambitious businesswomen and modern working moms to learn strategies for starting their venture and family at the same time. Tech CEO and working mom, Janine Sickmeyer, will take you on a journey from building a business to surviving motherhood with four under four. Each week, Janine shares tips and interviews successful women to hear their journey so you can find balance and confidence to turn your startup ideas into reality. Here's your host, Janine Sickmeyer. Let's start up. Hi, everyone. Let's get real. Motherhood is not easy in any shape or form, but that doesn't stop us. Motherhood isn't one size fits all either. There's so many different types of moms, from stay-at-home moms to working moms to entrepreneur moms, homeschooling, and women that have tried and tried to become moms to no avail. The list is endless. That's one of the most beautiful parts of being a mother or a soon-to-be or hopeful mother that we're all unique in our own way. Every single mom, no matter the path she chooses, is still a hero. And we all make our own decisions about what's best for ourselves and our family, and it's just not the same for everyone. So as many of you know, I'm the mother of four under five. I'm a female founder, former CEO, and now the managing director of a SaaS product. While building my business, I was also starting and growing my family. It was a difficult journey, and along the way, I faced a lot of challenges. My path to motherhood and my time as a mother so far has not been picture perfect. I mean, no one's really is, and that's okay. I'm I'm kicking off this series called Motherhood Comes in All Forms to pull back the curtain on what motherhood is really like. Women experience motherhood in different ways and have their own unique set of challenges and roadblocks, like struggling with fertility, pregnancy complications, and postpartum depression. I really hope that this series will open up honest and real conversations about these struggles so we can all support each other. And so you just know that you're like not alone in this journey. In the next few episodes, I'm going to be talking to some pretty badass women of all kind. Together, we're going to be diving into what makes motherhood so challenging and why it's worth it. You're going to hear from adoptive moms, corporate moms, single moms, and more. And these women aren't afraid to speak up. And they're all going to remind us that it's normal to feel lost or frustrated or just exhausting. And all of us mothers are not alone. In addition to our families and our personal support systems, we all have each other. So before we jump into all that, I want to share some issues that I encountered as a mom. So where I want to start with talking about my journey is um, when we were trying to conceive. And... This is all going to be a very vulnerable episode. I feel like um, the next, actually this whole series will be um, everybody coming on to talk is going to be pretty raw about this. um, And it's not just going to be the picture perfect Instagram, you know, Pinterest style uh, family. And I think that is often misconceived because so many people look at what we do, our highlight reels of our lives online and think that eh, they have it all and everything was perfect. And as much as I am like so grateful and happy, um, with our, our family and the support that we have and how much we all care and love for one another. I mean, I know that that's just not how it always is. Um, and everybody struggles and has, you know, family issues. And so I just, I really want this whole series to be about opening up and letting everyone else know that there are things that we all experience and we're all in it together. Um, I want to be supportive of one another. I want to be able to talk to someone who said, I listened to your podcast, and it was so powerful and moving, and I felt better, <laughs> you know. I don't want to be um talking about things that make people feel like they're not worthy or it's not um they're not good enough. This is that's like the opposite of what I want out of this. I want to be able to help people start their businesses. I want to help them understand that motherhood is challenging and that we can all come together um and talk about it openly and destigmatize some of these things like postpartum depression or, you know, fertility problems and be able to talk about it and say my gosh, I never knew that. I really hope that, you know, we can tackle this together. So, um, I'll just talk about some of like my struggles, things that I've experienced um and some of the things that like people just might not know. Um and then, you know, as we continue, I haven't yet had any of the interviews with all the other women. I just know what we're going to be talking about and I'm really excited to talk to them because I think that even though some of them are my friends from, you know, 10 11 years ago, I still haven't um I haven't actually talked to them about these types of issues and it can be really cathartic and and really eye-opening um and really powerful for even, you know, you as the listener to hear these stories. So, um but yeah, before I get into all that, I I kind of wanted to just talk about um some of the things that I've struggled with throughout my motherhood journey. So, um when when we were trying to conceive, um, we had just recently gotten married and honestly we were on our honeymoon and I was thinking about it. I was thinking, okay, we've been together for um, you know, almost six years before we got married. And then I was ready to start a family. I was. I was ready from the get go. And I think John was a little bit like, Oh, you know, yeah, I'm ready, but maybe, you know, not talking about it on our honeymoon is probably a good idea. (laughs) But I was, I was totally on the other side of it. I'm like, all right, married, ready to have kids. And not everyone feels that way. I think that having that conversation with your um, spouse is, you know, it's really important uh, to make sure you're both on the same page. And obviously you know that, but it's just something that um, you may not be thinking, you know, that you're ready right now or, and a lot of people, I know so many people who have been deciding lately that, you know, they're not ever going to have kids. And that is totally fine and valid, too. And I hope that, you know, my conversations here isn't, um, that they're not going to, like, all of my friends that choose not to have children, um, you know, are discouraged or, like, pushed away by these conversations. But um, because, you know, I, I talk a lot about being a mom. Um but I am just as interested in people that choose to not have children. Um, I'm interested to hear their stories and their journeys as to how they got to that point too, because um, that's just, that was never in my thinking. I have always wanted a big family. I've always wanted many children. And I think um, that it's so weird when you're, um, before you start trying to have kids, you don't know if you can or not. And I'm like baffled by that. I don't know why it isn't easier that we can't just go to the doctor and say, can you just make sure that I am able to have children? Um, Because it's just, it's just not that easy. And I I think that we don't know that as younger women, Um, we don't know that that's the case. We all just think, oh, no, we need to protect ourselves, make sure that we don't have children too young or whatever you're taught or, you know, whatever you, however you grow up thinking. And, but you never think the other way. You never think like, oh, maybe I should freeze my eggs when I'm younger to, you know, make sure that, you know, later in life, I I will have the ability to grow a family if I, if I want to um, that way. But we aren't told or talked, like nobody really tells us about IVF. Nobody tells us about egg freezing. Nobody talks to us about, um, adoption. Nobody talks to us about how hard it is to foster children. Um, you know, it's just all these things that when you're younger, you think, oh yeah, I'm going to have kids or I'm going to adopt a child. And it's just not that easy. And I think that, um, being aware of those things earlier and uh, understanding them when you're a little younger might help, um, you know, as you grow. And it can also help you understand whether or not you even want to have children later. Um, so I don't know. I I don't know the, the right way to even really talk about all of this because I'm not educated. I think that's why I I mean, I, there's so much that I don't know. I'm not educated on all the different forms or methods of, um, having and growing a family. And I think that, um, that's what I'm really excited to do is talk about this with, you know, people who have gone through it and who do know a lot more about it than I do. So, um, yeah, so back to the story. Um, I was, I was eager to start a family and I knew I wanted a big family. I, have one brother. Um, he's about five years older than me. And so, um, you know, once he went away to college, it was kind of just me. Um, and so I, I feel like because I didn't have a big family, I see that. And I've always, um, thought that was, you know, really cool frankly, that's, that's all I was just like, Oh cool. They have a sister and a brother and, you know, or multiple family members. And I was just like, I want that. I want, um, I want to have a big family someday. So after the honeymoon, we came back home and um, we started Whole30 and we were really focusing on ourselves and our bodies and um, our health. And I think that was around the time when we started talking about the fact that um, we were ready. We wanted to have children. We were ready to have them um, and to invite a new you know, person into our uh, family. So during that time, when we decided we wanted to conceive – I picked up this book called The Impatient Woman's Guide to Pregnancy and I'm telling you it was so funny because it was like everything that I needed at the time so I would read this book in between um finding out you know each month if we were going to be pregnant or not and then every time I would take a test and I wasn't pregnant I was so frustrated. And so I, then I would just read this book. And then I remember getting on all these forums where everybody was talking about, um, you know, whether or not they thought that they were pregnant and it's like the two week wait, um, is just like every day feels so long. And luckily, you know, we really didn't have to wait that long, but I know people that, um, This has just been agonizing for them. You know, that two-week wait is so, so hard. And I think just listening to other people's stories and finding a group of people who can connect and relate at the same time um, in the same place that you are was really kind of important. Um, And I don't know if there's any like better apps out there right now or not. That would be something that would be interesting for me though um, to hear about if anybody knows. That's, That's some, I remember that part being, very um stressful. We find out that we're pregnant and I am like over the moon, you know. I I was so excited. Um then, you know, we did all the tests and everything so that we could find out if it was a girl or a boy right away. And I think that um it it really just doesn't even matter. Now that I have, you know, two of each, it's just so special um having girls and boys. And it's they're both just they're, you know, they're all their own little individual people. And so it's not like a girl does this and a boy does that. They're, they're all just so special and unique and beautiful. And so, but it's silly when you, before you have kids, you're like, I want a girl, I want a boy, you know? Anyway, so we find out that we're having a girl and John is so happy because he was like, I really wanted a girl. And, um, and it was special to hear that, you know? Um, that he wanted, he wanted a little girl. And I think it's because he has two brothers and kind of knew, you know, what it was like having a little, um, boy around. And I, so anyway, it was, it was cute. Um, so everything was great. I think the, the pregnancy was really normal. Um, I craved things. I, you know, I hated eggs and chicken and I was like all about pasta. So, um, it was kind of fun and I love being pregnant. That's something that's weird about me because most people do not. Um but I just loved it. I loved every part of it and um and I think that's why it was also so easy for me to say, "Oh, I want to have another kid. Oh, I want to have more." Um but so then we get to the point of when we're having Eloise. And I went through 24 hours of labor. Um I, you know, we took all those classes and everything so that we could be ready for um for having, you know, and like natural labor or whatever. Um, but I I feel like we were not prepared in any way for what was happening. I had no idea what to expect. I mean, I, we were sitting there um, when we went to triage in the hospital. I was like bouncing on this ball and watching um, Friends on the TV. <laughs> and every now and then, you know, a wave of contractions would come and I was ah! like, and it hurt, and then I just keep watching friends and talking, having a normal convers a normal conversation, and then another one would come, and it would hurt, and it was just such a weird and just surreal experience. Um. So then my water breaks, and John is like dancing around, and you know he's out in the hall. Like her water broke. Can we get a birthing room? He's so excited. Like we can finally go to the birthing room because it's been like hours in triage. So um. So we get in the room, and you know I'm. Now I'm to the point where I'm like full on in labor. Like it was painful and I'm throwing up every time a contraction comes and it was just so awful. So here I am, you know, John doesn't know really how to help. He's just like standing there and it was like the middle of the night. Um, And he's just like, what do I do? And, and I would just act normal. And then all of a sudden I'm like throwing up again. It was just so, so wild. But, um, I had all these plans, you know, I had like my birth plan. We sent this long email to our family saying, we don't want anyone to know and you know, we're going to send one message letting you know that we're in the hospital. Uh, but then we're not going to tell you, you know, cause we don't want people waiting out in the hall or lobby or whatever. We're just gonna like take this experience and, and be there together. We like banned all phones cause I didn't want anyone taking pictures, Um, before I could, you know, things like that. It was just like, I'm a very, um, specific, uh, I don't know, not, I mean, kind of bossy, but I, yeah, I just, I have a very, um, specific way that I want things done when it comes to like a very big, uh, plan like that. So we, yeah, we put together this whole long email and told our family. So they knew that we were going to the hospital, but they had no idea like how long it was going to take or when we were going to have the baby or you know, anything. So we just kind of, it was just the two of us like in our own figuring this out. Um, So I get all the way to, you know, however many centimeters. And I forget, I think six or seven. And they were like, okay, you need to have the epidural. Um, I do that. And then we get all the way to 10 centimeters. I start to push. And then there's like, a nurse change like a shift change and a new nurse comes in and she's like no you're at 9 i mean really it's just their opinion on if it's like you know they everyone has a difference of opinion on if it's 9 centimeters, 10 meters 10 to me so so she says no it's not um it's not time and then all of a sudden i just see john being like frantic like he looks worried and they're handing him these, um, you know, a hat and a gown and all this. And they're like, here, you need to take this. And I'm just like looking around at everybody and they looked all worried. And then they just start pushing me down the hall. They're like emergency C-section. We got to get her out of there. So we both had a fever. I think, you know, I had a 103 or something, 104 Eloise inside. She had a fever. It was, it was pretty traumatic. Um, they rushed me in uh she was born within 15 minutes after that and um and i was i mean i didn't know the doctor um i remember I, it sounded like a staple gun or something and i was like what is that like a staple gun and um and she just like popped up and over the curtain and she's like they're dissolvable don't worry and then just went back and i'm like what <laughs> i was completely out of i mean i was like i don't remember much but i remember looking at john and he was holding my hand and He's like, it's okay. Everything's okay. And he didn't want to, you know, see her first because I was like, I want to see her with you. So, um, they brought her over and, and then when I was in recovery, um, they allowed us to breastfeed and hold her and all of that. So it was really, um, you know, it was, we didn't have to wait that long to see her. I, I mean, I heard her first, they handed her to me and she was great, beautiful baby and everything was fine. Um, she had to have, like, an IV in her head because they couldn't put it in her hands. So that was a little bit, you know, you see, like, this big contraption on your baby's head, um, right, when you get them um, on your chest. And you're like, what's this about? So that was a little scary. But overall, you know, it was – I'm I'm just thankful that it was um a, a good – you know, it was an okay experience. I know other people um, would say that was a pretty scary one, but I've heard – Worse. So um it was it was a fine, you know, experience. But after that, like it was so much fun. Um, just the whole process of having a newborn and learning everything new together. I'll never forget watching John change her little diaper for the very first time. He had never even handled a baby before. And I I took a video of it. Um, luckily I have that moment that I can watch over again because it's just so special. Um Learning how to breastfeed was a nightmare. I'm like, what is this? You know, you never know what that's like, and there's no way to really prepare for that. So that was crazy um, and different, and just you have to be completely like, I mean, it's you just kind of don't care about everyone coming in to help you and try to lactation nurses, and you know, it's it's very kind of um, unusual, but um, you know, and then when I was pregnant with Aldrin, everything was great, had a wonderful pregnancy. And then, um, I actually one day went to the doctor when I was about 25 weeks. Um, I was like, I'm just not feeling good. And I didn't know why. Um, so I had my appointment with him and, um, as I, I was like waiting for the doctor to come in to check and make sure the belly was all doing okay. I just said, I just don't feel great. I'm just going to, just going to step into the bathroom for a minute. So like I went in there and thought I was going to throw up, but then all of a sudden I woke up and I was on the floor. I passed out in the bathroom, um, at the doctor's office and they rushed me over to the hospital. Um, and apparently it was, it was dehydration, but I had no idea what was going on. I, I was in the hospital, um, all day and, you know, just got fluids and stuff. So that was the only thing that was like kind of weird during Aldrin's um, pregnancy. It was a, it was a wonderful um, pregnancy otherwise. And um, we had a C-section planned. He came a day early. So I went through labor again, um, even though I was not supposed to. And I had to wait until, you know, I got to a certain point because I had a, had a smoothie or whatever. (laughs) It was like, nonsense. Um so I they said you you have to wait 7 hours from the time that you ate anything. Um so we sat there and watched stranger things on my phone as I was um laboring with Aldrin. So that was a weird experience. Um he was great. Everything was so wonderful with him and then we find out just like a year and a half later that I'm pregnant with twins. And I think that was like the biggest shock. I mean, I was like, I mean, I was in shock. I, I didn't know what to do. I called my mom and just started bawling. And I'm like, I don't, how am I going to do that? How am I going to, what is my body going to do with twins? I mean, I, what am I going to, how, how am I going to keep running a business with four little kids? I mean, I was completely scared. I had no idea what to do. And I think John was just as scared. We were on our way. If we went to the doctor just to get, it was a normal eight week checkup, you know, to talk about how we were pregnant. We were so excited. And we went in and the doctor, um, did the, the test and the ultrasound, the very first one. And he said, well, um, and we we went into it, and we were, like, crossing our fingers, and we were being so silly. And I was like, we're just hoping for one in there. Ha-ha. Laughing around. And he was like, hmm, well. And we got a little scared at first. Like, there's a baby there. I know there is. I know I'm pregnant. And he said, there's two. You guys, there's, there's two babies in there. And I'll never forget that feeling. I was like, what? What do you? Uh. So I said, well, how, how am I going to make them both feel special? And that was the first thing I said to him. And he just kind of ignored me and kept doing the test. And, and I was like, what, what am I going to do with the other two I already have? I, and I just was so nervous about, like, sharing my love, like, sharing my heart. I, <laughs> I was so scared. Um, and, my, you know, I, when I called my mom, she, just, she was like, you know what? You're going to be okay. We're going to do this together it's fine. Everything's okay. You're going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. But like, she didn't believe me at first. She's like, what? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. And she's like, yeah, right. And I'm like, no. And she's like, you're joking. And I said, no. She's like, oh my God. So after I told my mom and really kind of worked through a couple of the initial panic, um, moments there, I, I think I started to, It started to become real maybe three or four weeks later. I mean, it took a really long time. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen to my body. I had, you know, I'd had two other pregnancies and everything was fine. But I was very concerned about um, how, a, you know, a double pregnancy was going to be. And I was really concerned about the health of the babies. I had no idea what to expect because there's so many complications that can happen with twins And I was just really afraid of, of, you know, what we could experience. So, um, you go to a lot more doctor's appointments when you have twins, like every week. Um, I felt like I was going to the doctor and they were always doing ultrasounds because they wanted to see, you know, where the babies were, how were they growing? So we did ultrasounds all the time and tested, um, and then we, we also did a lot of uh, measurements to make sure that they were growing at the same pace. And there were a couple of moments where we were a little bit nervous. Um, near the end of the pregnancy, Astrid stopped growing. So she was um, baby A, and she was down, like, in the bottom left corner. And then Orson, baby B, was, like, taking up the whole top Portion, and he was kind of like crowding her in. he was pressing he was like stuck underneath of my ribs. I had to go um to urgent care and see if you know he had broken a rib at one point um and I was getting massages daily at one point because I couldn't get him out of my ribs, and it was hurting so bad um and then. I couldn't eat. Like I had no room in my stomach anywhere in my body for food. So I would get so hungry. And then I could just eat like a little snippet of something, you know, like a tiny little amount. And then I would get so full. And then, you know, so that was annoying because I like to eat. And, um, I was just like, what is, what is going on? I can't fit anything else in my body. I was trying to like work out, you know, that didn't last long. I think I only got to about 18 20 weeks and I stopped running. Um I stopped working out. It was just I was it was just too hard. Everything was like intensified. I remember I had my um my Apple Watch on and I was like doing bedtime for the big kids one night and I felt really out of breath and I looked down and like my resting heart rate was like 95 or something. And so it would it would like shoot up to like 125 just walking. So I I had to just start relaxing. And John really gave me that time and that space um, to do that because it was just so much more intense than the other two pregnancies. And I found myself getting so tired. I would come home and just crash. I had to sleep like every night at like 7 p.m. So like I said, Astrid was, um, she was a lot smaller. She wasn't getting any bigger. There was no room for her to grow. So we went back to the doctor at, like, 33 weeks, and I was done. Like, I was just ready to have the kids, you know? I knew that they were too small at that point. I was just so tired and so heavy, and I just – I had no more room. Um, And I remember the doctor came in, and he was like, okay – I'll see you next week, and I just started crying. I was like, I can't, I can't come back next week. It's every week is so long, and I was just exhausted. And he was like, you, you have to keep going. We need to, we need to go as long as we can, and let them keep growing. and And he's like, but if they don't continue growing each week, then that's when we're gonna have to make a decision. and And so I, I. Got through that. Um, The next couple weeks weren't as bad for some reason. That one week was awful. Um, And then, you know, and then it started to just, I think I just got used to it, Um, the extremely uncomfortable feeling of being extremely pregnant um, all the time. I was just like, this is just how it goes. And so 36 weeks came and I went in and Astrid was not growing and he said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do a C-section tomorrow. I was thrilled. I got all my stuff together. I told my mom um, so that she could help keep the big kids for, you know, four days or however long it was going to take. And we were prepared to go into the hospital the next day. We got a good night's sleep and we went in. Um, it was a smooth, you know, the, I mean, the whole thing was really smooth actually. But um, we, I did not labor this time, which was nice but since the other times I did. But we went straight into the the operating room and they did the C-section and they, they got Astrid out first, baby A. And he, uh, my doctor, you know, said she's beautiful, she's perfect. Um, and then they got out baby B and said, he's beautiful, he's perfect. And I was so relieved. I think we were just so afraid of Everything. Um, It was just a really, really intense time having twins Um, at 36 weeks. They were still considered premature. Um, 37 weeks is full term, so they were just below um, that time. But I was able to hold them and start breastfeeding them immediately. And then things got real, and we were like, wow, we have two, like two tiny little four-pound babies, what are we going to do? I mean, all the other time, you know, we had – Astra was like four pounds, five ounces, and Orson was four pounds, 12 ounces. And we were, I mean, shocked. We didn't know what to do with – I've never held a baby that small in my life. Um, I just felt like they were so fragile and that everything we were going to do was just going to look break their teeny, tiny little bones. Um, So – I tandem breastfed every single time because it was like, you know, otherwise I would literally only be breastfeeding my whole life. Um so I would do both of them at the same time. Luckily they both um latched very well. I figured it out. I don't know how, but everybody in the hospital was impressed. They're like, "How are you getting so much milk already?" They were, you know, running around <laughs> to all these other rooms showing the other nurses like how much colostrum I was able to produce. It was just like really kind of funny because I'm like, well, it's probably because I just had a child like 16 months ago and 16 months before that. I don't know. Um, it was just like so many kids in such a short period of time. Maybe that's why I really have no idea. Maybe my body was just like, wow, you have two kids. Here is, you know, enough milk for two kids. Um, but they were – It was. it's such a weird thing though because then there's moments where – the baby only needs, like colostrum is um, this like extremely um, concentrated breast milk. So in the very beginning, it, it has everything that you, that the baby needs only in like little droplets. And so you produce whatever you can. Well, I was just trying to get enough to like give to Astrid and Orson um, in those those first days. And I remember just like every little drop mattered, you know, so I'm like trying to use a little syringe and get little tiny droplets out so that I could feed her with a little syringe. And I'm like, this is unbelievable, just this tiny baby. But it was, it was really an experience, just completely different than the others. And we were so tired. We still sent the, the babies um, to the nursery a few nights just to get some sleep. It was so exhausting. We really were so lucky that there was no NICU time at all. They were um, there were a few points where they had to go under the lights. They were getting pretty chilly, Astrid especially. And at one point, the um, the like NICU doctor came in and said, "You know, this little one, she needs to be on skin to skin for twenty four hours. You have to hold her on your body." she needs to get warm again if not you know we're going to have to do all this. So I um we had to call off everything for our family visits and all this and I just had to hold her. I had to I had to have and I ended up just taking both of them and putting them both on my chest and I held them um for a full, you know, 24 hours. I just needed to be able to um just help her, you know. She was just she was it was, um, she was losing weight. She was extremely cold. And, um, so we were just doing everything the doctor said. And then there was this moment when, um, I was holding her in my hand and I think this is the most terrifying thing, um, that we've ever experienced as parents. Um, and so I'm holding Astrid in my hand and she was like only the size of my hand and her little bottom fit right in the palm. And, um, and I was trying to like wake her up to feed her, and she wasn't waking up. And her little body was just like not, you know, just not fully um, alert. And she was so, so tiny. And I just looked at John and I kind of freaked out. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, She won't, she won't, she won't wake up. I, I can't feed her. I don't know what's going on. I can't. And he's like, Oh, um and he got so scared and went into the hall. And he's looking around for a nurse, and I just like started panicking. And I'm like waking her up and trying to, you know, feed her. And I was, it was so terrifying. Um, the doctors came in and everybody took her, and they were like looking at her. And we just, I mean, I think that right now when John and I ever talk about ever. Having children again, it, we think about that moment and how scary it was. Um, it's not something I ever want to experience again. That feeling of just not, not knowing how it was gonna, you know, what was gonna happen next. Um, and she was just, she was just so, so little. She got under four pounds, um, and we you know, I had enough milk. It was just, she just wasn't awake enough to drink it. She was so tiny. So, um, they did the next day. She, she got so much better after the whole skin to skin. Um, she ate, she, she woke up enough to eat and then they, they said we could go home and, and I begged them to stay another day. I was like, I can't, I cannot take these babies home yet. I was like, please, can we just stay another day? and so they said that was okay and and we were so happy because we really needed that that reassurance and just one extra day um to kind of make sure you know that they were being checked out we had them checked we kept going to the nursery asking the the you know nicu doctor to look them over do more tests just make sure they're fine i just couldn't i was like i, I can't take them home like this they were they both had jaundice, but I want to make sure that they weren't, you know, that, that they were okay to leave. And so um, so they said, that's fine. And we took them home and it was, it, life was just different. It was so hard. We were up all the time. We, um, we both, both of us had to, we took shifts. So, you know, I was, um, I went to bed at 8 p.m. And I, John stayed up till 2 a.m. And then we switched. And so then I got up at 2 a.m. And I was up the whole next um, few, you know, pretty much the whole day. And then I would try to take a nap here and there, but I couldn't. And so it was just, yeah, it was so exhausting. But I think that um, we ended up, you know, we, we ended up just talking about it and going, what are our biggest problems? What do we need help with? And we both realized it was lack of sleep. So we hired a night nanny. And I never really thought that that would be something I would do. I was like, that's kind of strange. Having someone in my house in the middle of the night um, with my children there and, you know, helping me breastfeed. I just, I didn't really understand what that was going to be like. But after I worked with... Um, a night nanny. I feel like everyone that has twins should have a night nanny. I just think that it was a huge, huge lifesaver in our marriage and our family and for the other kids, for me to be alert during the day and have someone stay up round clock. Like it was just I mean, it was so important. So we had someone stay in the night. We had like a a spare room off of the nursery and they would literally stay in the nursery with the babies all night long and pretty much watch them, make sure that they were breathing properly make sure, you know, make sure that they wake up to eat. Um, It's so important when they're so little that they need to, you know, be eating all the time. And they have these, like, we just had a full routine. It was so structured. And I'm so glad we did that because those days were really hard. Um, So, you know, I mean, those are like, some of the, I feel like what I experienced though overall was was really um, pretty normal, you know. I think all of that. Everybody has fears and worries and concerns and struggles. And after the twins, it wasn't until about three months later that I realized I had postpartum depression, and it was something that I I thought I would have had earlier on. Like I thought that with Eloise, um, I was a little nervous about it and then with Aldrin and I was like okay so I didn't even think about it with the twins because I had been fine after the other two pregnancies and births and you know and then it just hit me so hard after the twins I had no idea and I'm just so glad that we recognized that it was not me um so that we could get help because it was something that um I think a lot of people wouldn't understand unless they, you know, I think they wouldn't know that that's what's happening. Um, I recognized it because I was like, what is like, I've had two other kids and haven't acted this way. But for me to just be like, you know, on the floor in the bathroom bawling um, and then one minute and then the next minute, like just crying in my car. And then, you know, I mean, I was hysterical all the time. And and it, I wasn't like, I didn't, you know, fear for my life or my kids' life or anything like that. It wasn't anything like that. It didn't look like that for me. For me, it looked very different. It looked like I was failing as a mom. I wasn't good enough. I didn't have enough time to manage and care for all of the children at once. I, why did, you know, I, I was questioning, why did we even continue having children if if I wasn't good enough? Um, and Once those thoughts and questions started coming out and, and like, me just texting John about these things, like, I'm not a good enough mom. I can't believe I, you know, I was like, what is this? Like, this is not me. So I'm really glad that I found out um, early on and that I was able to get help because I think that it just, I mean, it changed everything for the whole family. Um, So I, everyone has a different story. I think everyone has... um, struggles and challenges. And I think that talking openly about it and just being like, hey, this is what happened with me. And um, if you're seeing these signs, maybe it's time for you to talk to somebody. Maybe, you know, maybe it's normal. Maybe it's something that um, that has just been intensified a little bit after the hormonal changes of either having children or trying to have children. Um, you know, all of that stuff is is just, it's important to talk about. And so I'm really... I'm really glad that everyone's um, kind of excited about this whole series that I have coming up because I'm going to talk to so many different women about experience that they, experiences that they've had and challenges and struggles and see if maybe we can all just kind of find a way to comfort each other and support each other through all those things. So um, just keep listening for more raw conversations about motherhood. And the rest of the series, I think we'll get into each of these topics a little bit more. Um, and and just reminding you that it's okay to struggle. You know, it's it's okay to feel like like give yourself grace and allow yourself to be worried or sad or concerned. Um, or you know, and then and then talk to somebody that you trust and ask them to place no judgment on this and tell them how you feel and get help if you need it. So thanks for, thanks so much for joining me today. You can find all of the resources in this podcast in the show notes and follow me on Instagram at Monami Janine and Twitter at my friend Janine. And tell me what you thought of today's podcast. You can use the hashtag She Starts Up Podcast. See you next time. If you want to use any of the tools or resources I mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes for links and subscribe to the podcast. She starts up to stay in the loop and visit my website, monamijanine.com to sign up for my weekly newsletter. Thank you so much for listening until next time. Let's start up.